um, we've been talking about this whole theme, right? For majority of the fall season, it's been on this idea of having a sustainable faith, building blocks for a sustainable faith. We've been looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, all the different qualities that he's been referring to, how to grow them in our lives as building blocks. One of the things we talked about was that, you know, in life we're going to be faced with situations that a lot of times are going to challenge our faith. And um, we need a faith that's nimble, a faith that's highly adaptable, faith that is capable of, of sustaining itself in prosperous and good times in our lives. Because, you know, a lot of times when things start going well, people forget God. Um, but also, so in the ups and in the downs, because inevitably we're going to have times where it's really hard. We're going to get hurt. We're going to have times where we're not doing so well. Um, we're going to have situations in life where things kind of catch us off guard. And we need a faith that's sustainable. And in fact, you know, we've been having fun with different things, but something really... Intense happened to me this last, uh, well, it happened to me yesterday. And uh, it, it just reminded me of the fragility of life and how we really can't always prepare ourselves for things, but how we really have to be willing to welcome the Lord into every situation, even the ones that catch us off guard. Some of you may or may not know, and I know many of you don't even, don't even necessarily even know the person that I'm about to mention, but um, if anyone who's been in the church for a little while knows that um, my grandmother, Eleanor Brisbane, has been um, with us for all of my life here. She was, along with my grandfather, they, they and a couple of other families founded the church, and they had a little vision to have a little church to, in San Francisco. And all these years, she's, she's been here and been such a big, really faithful, beautiful, kind part of my life. Well, yesterday, she went to be with the Lord. And um, I, I say that because, um, you know, it, I, I feel, again, I want to I share a little, just briefly about it so that everybody can be, stay connected because this is something that, uh, just to be quite honest, I still have a lot of raw emotions right now. And uh, part of what happened was because it happened just a few hours before Saturday night. And um, it was Friday night, we had brought her in. You know, she, okay, she was 90 years old. She was going to be 91 in, in February. And she was an amazingly um, kind of vibrant person. She was, she walked, she, she tried to drive on her own a lot, you know, we, we were like, you know, um, but if she can get a ride to church, she was gonna be here on her own. And she had all, she had all of her teeth, which is pretty impressive. And they were, yeah. And uh, she, she actually had better eyesight than a lot of us do. She was pretty amazing. She loved God. Every day she did her daily breads. That was a part of her, she read her Bible. She came from a generation that knew what it was like to work really hard. But I think um, I've been processing, you know, I really honestly haven't had time to process everything through. What happened was it kind of caught all of us off guard. Um, she had gone, on, gone in, and I know when you're that, when you're that old, any time you have to go to the hospital, it could be very serious. But she had gone in, she had a little bit of just pain in, and she was feeling, and so they, they, they brought her in on Friday. So Friday night, my wife um, and I went there. My wife actually ended up, you know, um, spending the entire evening with her and uh, just slept overnight with her. And they wanted to keep her for some observation. <clears throat> anyway, they told us the next day, Saturday morning, yesterday, that they wanted to, to explore. They thought, they thought something was, was more wrong inside because the enzyme count was just way off. And they thought we, we want, they wanted to do an, an angiogram. And so that had some risk to it. But we all kind of felt like, you know what, it might be better. They, they suggested as well, but we wanted to see what was going on and, and see how she was. Well, anyway, 
Saturday morning, and my wife was the last one to, to see her. Um, kissed her, said goodbye as she went in. And everything seemed to be going well. And I'll, I'll tell you the, the picture, if you can it, it was at Seton, and we were, in the, we were the only, we were on the bo- one of the bottom floors where this operation was, this procedure was taking place. And um, we were just by ourselves in the corner. It was like four of us, my, my wife, my, my brother, and uh, my uncle and myself. We were just kind of there waiting, and, and everything seemed to be going very well. And then one of those moments that I'm never going to ever forget, and we in the middle of our conversation, because it, it implied that longer it went on and we didn't hear anything negative, that was very positive, actually. And we were fully expecting to, that things were going actually well, and they were, until after it was done, she, her body reacted. And the next thing I remember hearing, and it was a weird moment, it's just going to stand out in my memory for a long, long time, probably forever. So all of a sudden I hear, we're in the conversation, we're talking, and we, I hear from the speaker, code blue, code blue. And I look around, there's nobody there, there's only us. And we all knew. There's only one person. And we just see, uh, it's just like everything you see in the movies. It's like people running full speed from every direction. You know, then you go, something's really wrong. Something's very wrong. And just, we start making our way, kind of like in slow motion. You know, it's like just looking at one and you start walking towards the doors and you're just waiting. And she had a, a cardiac arrest afterwards and she, she was resist. They were able to keep her going for a little while, but the bottom line is it ended up it ended up being a moment where we, we said goodbye and uh, brought her up. They brought her upstairs. We all, she was already gone, but we said goodbye to a, a woman who had loved Jesus and been, I'll tell you this right now, an amazing example of a servant's heart, never requiring the limelight, the limelight always willing to be um, a supporter and a lover, a genuinely kind person. Now, and the thing is, I was talking, because I've had these moments where all of a sudden us just start, start, um, <laughs> start crying, you know, it's like, I, when I came to church on Saturday, I was, I came here, was, I went straight from the hospital to here, and I was sitting, and I was sitting up in the balcony, and I was listening to him do the last song that you're going to hear, and the amazing part of it, the song was selected for an entirely different reason, it was selected because of the message, it was called This Is Home, and as I was listening to it, I, it's all these emotions, I just was up there kind of crying away, you know, just for a moment, just thinking about it. This is the woman who I had all, I've never, okay, when, if you've ever had a constant presence in your life, it was someone who every week of my life, pretty much, unless I was out of town, I would see her for 50 years here. That's, and so I, even as she got older, I, she would shuffle over to the side and she'd wait and, and give her a kiss and and it dawned on me, I'm never going to see her again in this life. I'm never going to look in those eyes. I'm never going to be able to, to just see the, the person who had loved me so honestly, the one who had put me on her lap when I was just a two-year-old before they had laws about that in cars and stuff and just would let me stand up on the seat. And I don't know, maybe I was three or four. I, don't, I just remember being able to sit there, always known her. And, uh, you know, she's just uh, had been an amazing gift. And I marveled at her consistent love and um, the often underestimated people in our lives who are just there always, always willing to help and love us. So um, I would almost say it without strings attached. 
And then just if we have people, I'll say this. This is Thanksgiving's coming up. If you have people in your life that mean anything to you, let them know it. All right? And um, this is about building a life. We've been talking about building a life, right? And building a life of faith. Remember, you know what? We affect other people. The choices we make affect other people. The decisions we make not to run away from things affects other people. I'm going to tell you something. That simple woman was not just part of my story. Because any good that we do for Christ as a church wouldn't have happened if she had not made a decision not only to help be a part of starting something, but also to stick with it through all the ups and downs, to stick in a marriage, to stick committed to something. What I'm saying is when you know that you're connected, so whatever grace we have received, it's connected to a story. We're all connected. So anyway, I say that. Still have something to share, all right? I want to pray, though. I want to ask God to bless our time that we have left. And Lord, I do want to thank you for the amazing privilege to be able to run a race for you, Lord. Each one of us has choices to make about how we're going to live our lives. We get to decide if it's going to be about me or only or about others. We get to decide how real you are to us and how that affects the decisions we make. I want to ask you, Lord, in the minutes that we have left to share together, it doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, if we've got a lot of relational scarring or we barely have any at all. I know, Lord, that you love us. You care about how we're living out our faith. You want us to be a people who represent you well. And I pray that you would speak to us in the minutes that we have together about this wonderful gift that we've been given, this gift of life, and how we are called to honor you with it and bless others through it. And so I ask for your goodness and your grace to just be among us. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, God. So I want to read from 2 Peter 1. This is where we've been at. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Here are the building blocks. We've been looking at them. Every week, week in and week out, you see them all. Supplement your faith, there's number one, with a generous provision of moral excellence, sometimes called virtue, number two, building block two, moral excellence, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, patient endurance, add to that godliness, add to godliness, brotherly affection, kindness, add to brotherly affection, love for everyone. I mean, this is we've been exploring these building blocks. And he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive, the more useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're, being, what we're being invited into is a growing life with God. And a big part of why we exist as a church is designed to get people not only to know about Jesus, but to challenge one another in love, to be authentic with our faith, and to grow in our faith. The idea that Peter had, I know, meant was he was trying to remind everyone who claimed the name of Jesus in their lives to not just like casually make that claim, but to pour their heart in the pursuit of a growing and expansive life. Let your faith be real and alive. And, you know, in the, in the older version, the eighth verse is rendered like this. This is how I first learned that verse. It says that, and they're going to put it up for you. You'll see it. For if these things uh, be in you and abound, look at the way it's phrased here, that you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, neither barren nor unfruitful. 
that if you allow these principles to take root into your life, if we build our, our lives upon these truths and begin to seek to ask God to help us and, and work towards activating them, what we will find is that there will come things that are birthed. Do you see it? Things will be birthed out of you. And fruitfulness will be a part of your life, that God will use your life in, in, and he will touch other people through your life, that, that the vitality of your faith will have an effect. It will produce things. It will affect things. Now notice, it's not just about God. This is fascinating to me. It's about us working together with God. The promises, the provision, the presence, that's God. He makes, he will be there. It's his power and strength. But the choice to activate that in our lives, guess what? That's up to you and me. We decide a whole lot of our growth. That's what Peter, look at the phrase, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond. That's a choice. Go down to that ninth verse, the 10th verse, but those who fail to develop this in this way, they're short-sighted, we're, we're blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. Look what he says. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. The point, do you see it? It's kind of like a dance. It's God working with us and us working with God. I think it was St. Yeah, you can see it. St. Jerome, and this how he's referred to. He was a 4th century Bible scholar, Latin Bible translator. He wrote this. It is our part to seek, in the quote section, our part to seek, his to grant what we ask. Ours to make a beginning, his to bring to completion. Ours to offer what we can, his to finish what we cannot. Do you see it? It's like it's both of us working together. It's God saying, look, I'm going to help you. But then you have to also put in the effort. A lot of, it's, growth with God is a result of two things happening. The Lord working in our lives and us choosing to position ourselves in such a way that it allows that to happen. It, it, it's something that is a, a product of an intention and an effort on our part, which is why we periodically need to, to reawaken things in our lives and, and challenge certain things in our lives. And, and if we are serious about it, we will find that there will be a growing vitality in our life with God that will affect other people. And now, I, I, I was thinking about the psalm, the first psalm the, in, in the book of Psalms, the, the one that talks about the tree planted by the rivers of water. The first part of that psalm mentions this is the type of person you don't want to be, a person who lives life apart from God, any reference point to God, a person who minimizes the things of God. He said the psalmist starts out, the entire thing starts out, Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of those who scorn God. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his words, in his laws, you meditate day and night. You'll be like a tree. That word is engrafted into who you are. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also, it will not wither, and whatever you do will have success. The ungodly are not so, he says. They're like the chaff that's driven away by the wind. Therefore, they will not stand the day of judgment. You read that first psalm. It's an invitation to a growing life with God. And, and when I think about it myself, I'm thinking, Lord, there are seasons in our lives. Think about it. Bring, okay, brings forth its fruit in its season. So what season are we in? We are not promised I don't know the, the end day. My wife and I were talking about it. We didn't know that November 22nd was going to be an unforgettable day for us. We didn't know when those doors went open. That was the last day. That was the last square in the box for someone who I have come to love. 
but all of us have a final square on the calendar box somewhere. And there's going to come a time where it's very important to be right with God and to have a heart that is tender to him. I don't know when, when my last day is. I know this. Between now and then, God has a life for us to live. And he wants to challenge us on as to how we're living it. And that, if we can choose. We get to decide. But I'm going to tell you, it's a gift. And we will not always have it forever. What is the fruit he wants us to bear in this season? What would that look like? That's what I'm... This, by the way, this season we're in right now, to me, is one of my favorite times of the year. I'll tell you why. Because not only do we have a day where we say, let's be thankful. And I could start out by saying, Lord, I have so much to be thankful for. I choose to focus on these things so I can cultivate thankfulness. And then it moves us into Christmas, where as a culture, we acknowledge that moment of the coming of a Savior. And in the tenderness of God, we're invited to be vulnerable. If God can be vulnerable, who can be afraid of a baby? He invites us to come honestly, authentically, with all of our wounds and honest, and honest hurts and dreams and fears and bring them, to, bring them and kneel before, the, kneel before the manger and say, I'm open, God, how can I ever be afraid of you? See, that invites us to celebrate the birth of one who has come. There's the tenderness of God, the, the love of God. And then, of course, the gift of a new year. What, this is what I'm saying. These are places for us. It's a, it's a, these are weeks for us to think about how we want to move into what is ahead. There's a natural momentum for reflection and positioning. And if you're a wise person, if we are wise, or if we want to grow, this is the perfect time of the year to ask good questions, to pray reflectively, to have good conversations, to think about the significance of what we're celebrating and not just rush past the season into the new year. But say, God, what is it that you want me to begin to cultivate? Are there things you wanted me to let go of? Are there things that you want me to pursue with greater vigor? Are there certain practices that I have sort of let, sort of not, not I haven't been doing them, and maybe you're calling me back to refreshing something in my life. Maybe I need a, an awakening of sorts. This goes back to what I'm calling where we've been the last few weeks. And I'm just going to put these things up just as a means of sort of helping us recall principles. And again, just... When we talk about what we've covered and what I think God wants to say to us, one of the things that we've learned, and Peter makes it really clear here, is that God wants us to have a passionate faith. I don't think there's any way around it. He wants us to live a Christian life that has passion. In other words, he doesn't want us just to go through the motions. A faith that is only a religious set of beliefs and is kind of relegated to just like, I would, I would say, you know, um, a formality in our life. It really, that's not what he's talking about. He's, when he says, add to your faith this idea of moral excellence and virtue, and he's, he's saying, don't let your, add, get faith, believe, yes, but make it alive. He's talking about having an energetic faith. He's talking about having a lively faith, a vigorous faith. He's talking about resisting, I think that, maybe, maybe I would say, strongly opposing spiritual passivity, determining to take it seriously. Not just kind of like go through the religious practice. I put in my hour. I signed my, I got my spiritual insurance policy taken care of. But the rest of the week, he might as well not even be in my life. 
And by the way, when you see death and you watch it, and I've, I've been now there more than a few times. And even when people love the Lord, and there's, there's just, that is such a, to be able to celebrate someone's life knowing that there's a hope. It's, when the Bible says we sorrow, we, we sorrow as those, but not without hope. There's a diff, that's a different kind of sorrow. That's a sorrow of I will no longer see you. That's a sorrow of I won't ever look into your eyes or kiss you anymore. But that's not the same sorrow as uh, in this life, yes, but that doesn't mean forever. But everybody who's there, you know what I'm saying? I, even people who love the Lord a lot, I, most of the time I've watched are a little bit afraid because we've never been there. And there's something about it that scares us a little bit. I get that. I, I'm, so I'm not saying, because when Jesus talked about life, he said, remember this. If you want to be rich, be rich towards God. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure in this earth where moth and rust corrupt, thieves break in, steal it away. The economy has a turn, you lose it all, whatever. He says, don't, don't build your, con look, don't do that. That's nobody, I'll tell you right now, no thing is being taken with us. Love God, love people, use things. Don't love things, use things. Love God, don't use people, love people. Because <laughs> there are gifts. And life's too short to be angry. Give me a light heart, Lord. Give me a light heart. The, the fact is, when we do, when we realize what a precious promise it is that though this outer person perish, yet my inward person is renewed day by day, when we realize that, that when Jesus said, you all know the verse, many of you do at least, God so loved this world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not die. Death would not be the final word, but would have the gift of everlasting life, life overflowing, abundant. The undying life of God would pulsate through you. Hope and possibility, new body, promises anchored in his resurrection to the vehicle of the cross. This is the gospel. So I am not minimizing it when I say the eternal hope means a whole lot. It does. But I'm going to say this. Between now and then, how we live matters a whole lot too. And we get to decide that. And one of the things I'm convinced of is that God wants our faith to be alive. And guess what? He wants us to talk about him. He wants us to bring him into the dailiness of our lives. He wants us to challenge ourselves and begin to, begin to pursue a life with him that's growing and expanding and serious. And it, it, listen, it means every now and then we actually want to talk about Jesus I never met anybody, we say we love them, we never talk about them. Well, I don't want to be offensive. I, you know, my environment, if you knew my environment, you know, it's probably like, that's kind of like no one does that. I know, but I'm not talking about being arrogant, offensive. I am saying when we love him, we're going to talk about him. I am not ashamed of him. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he took it into environments where it was stigmatized. He says to, to my own Jewish people, Paul said, it's like foolishness. A savior, he was a criminal, died on a cross. 
He says to the Gentiles, it's like, it, it's a Jews, he says, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, he says, it's foolishness. They think of me and they go, oh, he's just believing this silly thing. They were intellectual people. He felt, he felt the pressure of being categorized as a simpleton, even though he had tremendous intellectual depth. But he says, I will glory in the cross of Jesus. And he made it his life's passion to share the good news of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Wherever our environment, God calls us to speak up and to bring our, our love for him into the everydayness of our life and let it challenge us. That means we're going to contend for growth. We're going to pour our heart into it. You know what the next, the next piece is there? And we talked about it. And we'll put this up. What it's also going to mean is that we're going to pursue progress. I use the phrase with intelligence and determination because what we were basically talking about are the things that Peter was referring to, right? We're talking about things like, you know, adding to our faith, courage, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, right? So if we're going to do that, that's got to be a product of intention. It, we, we have to decide to do this. It's, it doesn't just happen. The garden unattended grows weeds. It doesn't tend itself, right? Those things are a product of our being determined to do something about it. Now, you'll notice in the handout, there's a quote on the bottom of the page. It's the last one I'll refer to directly. This is from Francis de Sales. He was a, a writer way back in a, in a different era, the 16th century. He was a Roman Catholic bishop, missionary, fascinating thinker. He said this. It was a, a devotional saying, but one piece of it caught me. He says, if birds stop beating their wings, they quickly fall to the ground. Unless your soul works at holding itself up, your flesh will bring it down. But then he said this, you must renew your determination regularly. And when he was talking about the spiritual life, and that phrase, you must renew your determination regularly. This idea, there are going to be times where we have to stoke the spiritual fire, shift the embers around, change some aspect of our devotional pattern, commit ourselves to something new, restart a healthy habit. In other words, there are times where we're going to have to, to like make an adjustment. And I'm, I'm suggesting that this is the time of the year when it's so good for us to think, okay, what does it look like to be fruitful in this season of my life? What do you want to do in my life, Lord, right now? And how do you want me to bless people? And who are the people you really want me to bless? What is it you're trying to do? Is it an internal character thing? Is it getting me to be more upfront about my love for you? Is it getting me to be more vulnerable with other people, to be held more accountable to things that we... Are you calling me to dig deeper, to not simply live a surfacey Christian life? but to actually lay roots down that have transformative effects in me? Are you asking me to break something that's been passed down for generations and, I'm, and I think you're calling me to, to say it ends here? What are you calling me to into? What does fruitfulness look like? What is, product, what is God trying to do right now? What, there are going to be these moments where we're going to have to shift things around because what got us to where we are is getting, honestly, we're getting used to it. We're in a rut. We're kind of like going through our own motions. Every now and then, you know, this, is a, this is a principle of growth. You have to reinvent. You have to mix it up. You have to adjust. You need to start something new, a new way of reading his word, a new relationship, integration in ministry in some way, of, uh, something that creates a different dynamic. Because if we get stuck in the same place, and I'm talking about those who've been following the Lord for a little while, what happens is things get, it's just human nature. We take things for granted, and all of a sudden, we, but what started out as a very sincere, life-giving thing can become kind of like old, it becomes old and a little bit stale. And we've got to make adjustments. This is the time, good time, to make those adjustments. It, I, we must, we must determine regularly, right? We must do this. We must renew it. We must periodically determine 
to be renewed in our determination. Now, I'm not going to go into this quote, but you can look at it later. But the middle one there is from McDonald. He's talking about how be very careful about living a stagnant life with God. Be very careful about drifting into bad habits. He's talking about entertainment. He's talking about just kind of like a low-grade, non-growth way of living. He says, don't live like that. He talks about the need to have more than superficial relationships where we're having superficial conversations about things that don't even really matter that much all the time. He's saying, challenge yourself to be around people who are going to compel you towards to try to make breakthrough in your life and are going to even sometimes call us out on things and we're going to be able to wrestle with stuff and grow. And See, that's what we're talking about, a life that's growing with God. And, I, and I'll leave it, I'll kind of like mention it. It's a perfect lead into this last, the second to last piece, which is this. We're also reminded by Peter to pour ourselves in then to loving relationships. Just as we grow, the, he talked about, remember Peter said, Love God, godliness, um, love one another in community, brotherly love. And then he talked about loving the, loving the world, loving those outside of community. Maybe this is a good way to approach it. When it comes to renewing our faith, maybe it's in one of these three spheres. One of the ways to maybe think about maybe there's something that I can initiate in my life that would cause me to grow with God would be, is it have to do with loving God? Because there are things that I can do to, to create a greater love for God. Maybe this is a season where the Lord is saying, I want you to nurture your love for me, and I want you to learn how to receive my love. And I want that to flow out better. Then it might have, or it might have to do with relational love. This idea of, Lord, make me a kinder person. Maybe I'm seeing resentment in me. Maybe I'm doing good things, but my attitude is poor. Lord, maybe there's some commitments that you want me to make that I'm, not, I'm really fighting them. But that's what love looks like because you are utterly committed. Maybe there's a part of me that wants to do what everybody else does, just take care of myself. And God says, like the one that I said goodbye to, be willing to live your life as a servant for the audience of one. Be the blessing that I've called you to be. Remember all the good it will do. Or maybe it has to do with loving better outside on our jobs, trying to really represent the Lord's heart better in kindness and love. What a, fourthly, finally, it just goes back to what we talked about, this idea of growing in fruitfulness, right? We are to pursue fruitfulness in our lives. That, what I mean by that is this promise that God wants to get, call us into an expansive life with him, not a dead Life, but a living life. Out of your belly will flow rivers of water. I was thinking about, I mentioned to you the, um, well, it was in Matthew 25. I'm not re- going to read it, but I was thinking about the parable of the talents. And, and I was thinking about the story that Jesus told where he said, I mean, he, he talked about a businessman who entrusted different people with different spheres of entrustment, one, five talents. One, two, one, one. And of course, the, the guy who was given one was so afraid he was going to lose it, he buried it. The one who had two used it and doubled it. The one who had five doubled it. The, Lord, the master came back and said, he says, you know what? You've done amazingly well with what I gave you and trusted you with. Well done. You'll hear the, and you'll recognize this phrase. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that I have prepared for you. The difference between five and two 
was only the amount. The blessing was identical. Hear me out. It's not the amount of gifting or the scope of what you've been entrusted with. It's your faithfulness in honoring what God gives you. That's what we're account. There's no difference in the blessing. The same. And I kept thinking about, I'll just say it like that, I'll finish. My grandfather was a pastor. When they thought of the church, even though it was a small church, they thought of him. But my grandmother was always behind the scenes. Five or two, the key is faithfulness. And if you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. At the end of the, when I, when I mentioned that song that we're closing with, that song, which was, uh, is called This Is Home, I actually asked them if they could do it because I was thinking about the message, obviously with no knowledge of what this weekend was going to bring for, for me and for us. But I was thinking, you know, this is home. I was, there was a part of the, the, the song where it, it talks about, like, um, and the words aren't in your handout, but he, there's this part of the song where it says, I've got my heart on what happens next. I've got my eyes on what is not over yet. It was, it, the reason I said it, I go, I like it because it's talking about when we come to Jesus, it's like we find our home in him, and then God calls us to be an expansive people. I go, that's why I love that in that song. I go, I want to, you know, my, I, he has me to live with open eyes. This is not a, a small world. This is a big world to be alive with God, a growing life with God. What I didn't realize at the time was that the other part of that song had to do with the idea there's a part of us that longs for a place we've never seen. And I thought, we do long for home. Now and then. Here and then. He wants, to be, he wants us to be home with him here. With the promise of home yet to be. We are a people of the now and then. So when we close, just kind of let that settle in. I'm going to pray. And Lord, you know, as we get ready to have our, our we have ready to have our time of giving and our closing song, I do pray for these words. I, I, I pray that we would all be challenged to think about our lives, Lord. We are fragile gifts. We are, we are jars of clay. We, we have a tent, but it's not made to last forever in this world. No, sir. It, uh, it will fade. Even the best kept cannot last. But what we have in you, Ooh, help us, Lord, to love better, to not love things, to serve well, to love well, to stay close to you, to be unafraid, come what may, trust in you, bless the people you've given us to love the most, be thankful, be unoffended. I pray, Lord, remind us of the home we have in you and the home we have yet to go to. Both need to be real in our lives. I pray that blessing, bless our closing minutes. Let's not be in a hurry. Let's sit with these final minutes. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.